Jess Pearman, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Uh, traffic was bad, hey? Traffic was awful. And you hate being late. I hate being late. It gives me a, it gives me a complex. I really don't like it. It says, hey, I don't respect your time. Yeah, right. I can mm. see you thinking that, but it's absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I haven't got a lot on today, so it's good. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah. But are you a punctual person? Generally, yes. Generally, yeah. yeah, yeah. You like to get there early. Do you map ahead? I map ahead. I like to get there early. I like wherever I'm going, if I've got five or ten minutes downtime beforehand, it's like I can walk in and I'm not going to be a head case yep. when I get to my destination. That's why I walked in here. Absolute head case. Yeah, you, you were <laughs> you're flustered. Like, Get away from me. You're giving me bad vibes, man. Yeah, like you're taking your boots <laughs> off before you're in my house. And I'm like, just take your shoes off inside. It's fine. You're like, I need the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm like, ah! yeah, like yeah. a cat that just got into a fight outside. Yes, yep. Absolutely, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't spoken to you in a while. It's uh, have, you, have, have, a, have a sip of tea. Um, uh, I've just been gigging. Um, mm. I did an hour show recently. Yes, how did that go? That went well. Sweet. Um, what I discovered was there was only like 20 people in the crowd. Okay. Um, because I'm very popular. <laughs> um, but I found that um, when there's low numbers, it's, it's harder to do stand-up. For sure. And the dirty stuff wasn't getting across. They were really, sell like the dirty material, they were like, I just felt like, don't go there, please. This so, is awkward. Okay. So I, I started editing it out of my set. As you were going. As I was going. And you still had an hour. Oh, 50. Okay, no, that's all right. Oh, all hang right. on. 43. <laughs> okay. 43. So it makes me curious, though, if there was only 20 people and your material wasn't working, what were they doing there and why did they buy tickets? Do they? Uh, do you th think it was just those people who just go, oh, a comedian? No, no, it wasn't that. It was just that I found that uh, the dirty material only wasn't working. So I cut that out of my set. Everything else was fine. Oh, okay. All but right, I just cool. felt when you've got a small group of people, yeah. they weren't really going for the dirty stuff. But uh, the flip side of that coin is in a huge room, like over 100 people yeah. or 80 people, there's this critical mass and the the dirtier the material, the more they laugh. I yeah, just, yeah. I just find that interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I, I, I like to get different types of laughs out of people. And one of my favorites is when you say something shocking and revolting and they go, oh, <laughs> yeah. I love making people laugh like that, but not too much. Because otherwise you can actually emotionally exhaust the crowd when you're too dirty. Yeah. It's like they just go, oh, mate, I'm just getting smashed with visuals. Just stop it. Give me a break. So yeah. making them laugh like that every now and again, that yeah. I think that there's a recipe. I feel like there's a recipe. So have you been? Have you been gigging much since we I last have, spoke? yeah. Good. Yeah, what, we've what just you... been on different rooms, I guess. Yeah, what have you been doing per week? You know, you're doing a couple a week? Yeah, yeah. That's so great. One or two, yeah. I'm doing, um, so I was bendy on Wednesday and then I'm doing Little Foot on Sunday night, which is Titanic themed, which I like because it's, it's something else. I think it's important to challenge yourself. And then I, I realized recently, actually, I think my favorite type of comedy is the, the niche stuff or the weird or the themed stuff. I did a roast battle a couple of weeks ago. I do not fucking understand roast battles. Oh my God. I love them. I love them. I fucking hate them. <laughs> I, would ne I wouldn't do it at gunpoint. I do not want to turn all my evil tools in my toolbox to aim it to another comic and destroy them. I'd rather rip into someone like a politician or someone who doesn't, you know, who deserves it. 
Yeah, I guess. Because I think I can be really brutal if I go for it, and I hate that. This is that. why you have a conversation with them beforehand, and you say, what's your no-go zones? What, what, is there anything that you actually want me to shred you over and make it hilarious? I don't know about you, but most of my close friendships that I have with mates that I've been friends with for years, our relationship has a very solid level of sarcasm and character and pointing out, no, not comics, pointing out each other's flaws and being able to roast someone over something that they said stupid 15 years ago that I still like to bring up, Mm. you know, because it's both ways Mm. and doing it with comedy, I suppose in the wrong hands, it could be pretty bad. I mean, if you're someone who's naturally really uh, passive aggressive or aggressive in general and you have the desire to actually hurt people, then you're the wrong person to do roasts, I guess. But yeah, I don't want to hurt anyone. Like I roasted Mimi and we had a very long conversation of just going, giving each other information and going, this is all stuff that you can use. These are my no-go zones. Prior. Prior. Prior to yeah, the gig. Absolutely, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so Mimi's another fantastic comedian on the circuit. So she would tell you, don't go here. Yep. And you would say, don't go here. Yep. All right, so there's a code of conduct. There's a code of conduct. Oh. Unless you don't give a shit about the other person. It's like dueling gentlemen in the Victorian era. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, don't scratch out my eyes. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> right, okay. So um, did she have an extensive no-go list? No. A, a what, very small one. And I had yours? a very small one too. I think, but there's a, there was an unspoken respect there anyway. I, both of us had the same intentions that le- we legitimately didn't want to cause any harm, but we also want to make each other laugh and the crowd laugh. So it was, you know, I had an idea, a, a idea about one thing. And then I went, you know, there was, there, I was able to explain some of the jokes without telling her what they were and going, is, is this going to be okay? And it was all fine. It was fine. I didn't write that many, but okay. yeah, I, lo- I love roasts. I love them. How does it, how does a, the actual roast work? You go up first and do five minutes on Mim and then she comes and roasts you or do you go joke for joke back and forth like an M&M? So you can choose. It depends who's running the room and how they wanted to structure it. This was very strange. This was one person gets to roast two other people and then those two other people don't aren't necessarily roasting you and then you can chuck out one joke about everyone else if you wanted to so it was a very loose structure this this is not going on comedy central so it doesn't matter but yeah it was really good i yeah i don't really like um american style roasts because they're mostly about shock instead of about laughter where yeah. I'm, I'm about laughter with just a sprinkle of shock, you know? Okay. Again, I like my ratios. I want to con- – <laughs> I'm probably a bit controlling. I want to control how I make people laugh. Right. I, yeah. Yeah, because like, I'm – this is the laugh I want to give you. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Okay. My whole problem is, uh, uh, unfortunately, when I develop material, it's a shock factor in the beginning. So I'm afraid I'd shock and cross the line. Okay. Like I did a piece of new material over on Tuesday night. And I came off as really pro-Israeli. And okay. I'm like, I, I'm not really pro-Israeli. <laughs> like, I, I like the Palestinian cause. I support it. 
And they're like, well, it didn't really. <laughs> Came off like you were like, fuck them. <laughs> you, what did like, you oh, say? Shit. You're like, yeah, this joke's called fuck Palestine. Oh, Something, shit. That's oh. how it came out. <laughs> like, that's how it came <laughs> And yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I've got to go back and fix that joke. <laughs> yeah, you do and send out some apology letters. Yeah, and so I'm just afraid of like, yeah, I don't know. I, I take, so you like it, why, as opposed to like a normal straight stand-up set? Okay, I like anything that encourage. You know what I think it is? It's a deadline. I need deadlines to function, and a comedy career in general is not a deadline. And that's why I've been so airy fairy and floaty and not progressing as much as I want to. So I'm trying to attach a deadline to that. But with roasts or with this, you know, the Titanic themed comedy show that I'm doing this weekend, there's a deadline. Well, I'm not if... going to rock up with old material. You can't. I don't have any old Titanic jokes. Who Fair does? Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, what if? What if? Well, just I'll give you a deadline now. Uh, mm-hmm. Do a do a show at the September Fringe. That that would work, yeah. And you just go, I've all got, right, I'll I've, do it. I've started applying little things. It's like, right now, I'm th- this Tuesday is going to be the. All right, I'm going to start stalking the lounge now. Mm. <laughs> so rock up every Tuesday. Yeah. So that's that's one foot in the right direction instead of me just. What's that? Just this no. Me being a, a butterflying around. Just. I, I can't I can't focus. You you know, I I honestly believe I'm one of those um undiagnosed ADD people who's just slipped through the cracks. You I know think when a lot of comics are. Yeah, yeah. When you Myself when you're included. too functional you when you're too functional to actually be admitted anywhere, but you're not functional functional enough to have an outstanding human existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I feel I am. Okay, so yeah, so do you, are you at the? Because I know um, last time we spoke. Oh, by the way, are you still are you drinking again or you're no, not? I'm not? You're not. Yeah, Fuck. I, I, I'm almost at four months. Holy shit! Not a drop. I did have a, a small incident, a siphoning incident with some hand sanitizer, but I'm not counting that. <laughs> you drank hand sanitizer. <laughs> Oh, I've got this big, this big refillable and I didn't have a funnel. So I was siphoning it with a straw and dropping it into the small hand pump. Yeah. Right. Uh, so other than and you that, got some I'm in your clean. mouth. I did. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, a, a yeah. family in Russia ran out of vodka at a Saturday night party and yeah. used hand sanitizer with raspberry cordial, ended up dying yep. and left their five children orphans. Oh my God. So <laughs> can I just, I've got one question about that. Why are you grinning ear to ear? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's fucking, I told you it's dark. I love dark shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a shock. I enjoy shocking stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, yeah. I just, I, 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 I'm extraordinarily jealous and filled with hatred towards comics that can do a very, very fucking clean set. Yes, me and, too. And not give across, like, show me something dark about yourself. Please. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm We're doing, all damaged, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing that right now. I'm writing new material about uh, the internet and uh, old uh, behaviors that we used to have on the internet 15 years ago or whatever. And so I'm bringing up a part where I, when I was 16, I did end up flashing my tits for a webcam. And then I go into a bit where some teen- teenagers end up developing boundaries or slipping into porn and how I'm glad I, I developed boundaries, you know, so all this other shit. But the reason why I don't want to tell that joke is because I hate it when comics draw attention to their bodies. 
because it's like it's not a joke. So I have to get over that because it is a joke and sometimes you do have to draw attention to your body to crack that joke. Yeah, it is a but joke. I need, yeah, but I need to make sure that I don't hang on it because I see people telling jokes where they're constantly talking about their bodies and it's like no one's listening to you. They're just looking at you and they're trying to assess what you're saying and drawing attention to it, that sort of thing. Absolutely. That's so I've like... got these very strict rules for myself where I go, no, nah, I don't want to be that kind of comic. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And it's like I've set all these rules for myself that I'm trying to navigate. I'll write a joke and go, oh, that's not what – that's. I don't want to be seen as that sort of person or blah, 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 blah. And it's it's exhausting. Absolutely. Anyway. But that's a good myself. thing. That, that's a good thing. You're, you're, there's a lot there that I want to talk about, but that's a good thing because you're, you're constructing a set list which isn't uh, geared in one topic. So you're not going to bore your fucking audience and you're, not gonna, you're still going to maintain versatility. Yeah, it's yeah. okay to talk about your body parts or do so, something like that, but as long as you don't dwell on it. Yeah, because yeah. Because it's like yeah. baking a cake. Too much of one thing, it's going to spoil. Yeah. You're not going to be uh, exciting anymore. The audience is going to go, oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if you do just dirty stuff only or... Yeah. That's why I like the different sorts of laughs. Well, yeah, that's what I'm attracted to a lot. Yeah, because yeah. my biggest attraction to stand-up comedy is I don't... I, my one true passion is I want the audience not to know what I'm going to say next. Yeah. That's my biggest fix. Mm. If they don't know where I'm going to go next, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Doesn't really matter if I'm not blowing the roof off the joint, as long as because you can't blow the roof off, you can't hit a strike every fucking time you go bowling. No, it's you impossible. can't. Yeah, yeah. So that in know. itself would be boring, do you reckon? Because you want you want to hear ebbs and flows in stories, and it's like that little bit yes. of the, the the chuckles that could lead up to a massive cackle at the end. That's what makes the cackle so good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that space. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. 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 I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and in terms of shock as well, that's why I like my skull fuck joke is because there's an element, even I can just say the words and people go, ooh, you know. Yeah, so when, <laughs> like a lot of people listen to me in the background, so that word skull fuck, you're like, what? <laughs> there was a double take. <laughs> so they, I like that joke because it's not about, like that's just a shocking um, context in which I use to describe to describe people with low self esteem because it's not about the shock; it's about yeah low self esteem. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Cool. So, what about if you set yourself a goal of I have to do half an hour at the September fringe? That'll be yeah. That'll be easy done. Yeah. So you say, you strike me as someone that has to write it down or, or not write it down, but mentally fix yourself to a goal and then work towards it. I think I have to throw myself under the deep end and, and, and sign the contracts or whatever it is and organize it. It's like I have yeah. to throw my future self under the bus, yes. even though if that makes me feel uncomfortable now. And then usually I don't end up doing that. I Okay. Because mm. that's what... I think I need to do as well. Like mm. the, the analogy I use is uh, like I'm rock climbing and I've got a backpack with all the things I need to survive and I've thrown that over the chasm to the next and now I've got to jump across oh, yeah, to fetch cool. it. Oh, yeah, cool. So yeah. that's, what, that's what it's like, setting yourself a goal of, okay, well, I'm going to Adelaide next year. I'm doing a festival show in September. So that's going to happen. And yeah, you book it and then once you book it, it's done and then you've got to catch. Your material has to come. It has to, yeah, yeah. It comes from pressure, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It forces you to go out every night 
and go, fuck, can I get five minutes here? Can I get five minutes there? Can I get five minutes here? Mm. Your whiteboard all of a sudden becomes interesting because you're doing mind maps of joining bits together. If you had nothing to, you know, Mm. it's like a Formula One car without a finish line. What's the point? All right. Well, I'm going to um, make this make you make me accountable and say I'll I'll do the fringe no I'm doing the fringe You're this doing year. the fringe I'm, I'm doing the in fringe September Are you doing the fringe? Uh, <laughs> if, you if you do it I'll do it. <laughs> yes. Let's do the All fringe. All right, let's do the All right, fringe. All right, done. So it happens in September, right? Yeah, yeah. The Melbourne fringe. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Done. Done. All right. All right. Yeah. Are we pinking Dr. <laughs> Evil? All right. Done. Pinky. <laughs> it's contract. We are doing <laughs> the fringe. What yeah. I need to do, I need to do 45 minutes to push myself. You okay. need to do, what do you need to do? 20, 45, half an 30, hour. half an hour. Half an hour. I like, I like complete, I like half an hour or an hour. Do you have a themed show already in mind that you want to do? How do you? I was, for the 2020 Comedy Festival, I was going to do a show called Dreamcatcher and it was a show about spirituality. I'm basically talking about charlatans and what's a charlatan a charlatan would be think of a um a, someone who is a fake doctor or a witch yeah, doctor or whatever so. yeah, yeah yeah so whatever they do they're they're fake they're pretending yeah yeah so um yeah pro- i might do something like that it's def it could definitely be made relatable as well just because i don't know there seems to be some sort of I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. When it comes to spirituality, it's a very confusing topic and there's a lot of people, such as myself, who's on the fence about it as well. So just exploring that. If I wasn't going to do that, then... Wait, I'd... wait, hang on, back up. Okay. I just want, what do you want to get across uh, about spirituality and charlatans? The, the fact that there's a lot of them in there, in spirituality, or...? Um, I'd probably Have want to... Have you been to... sucked in by a few of them, or...? <laughs> oh, God, I've done so much weird shit. I've done, yeah. Like what? What's the weirdest shit you've done that you want to talk about oh. at your comfort? Um, it's not relatable enough. Ayahuasca isn't relatable enough. Mushrooms could possibly be relatable to some people. If I was to do a show about spirituality, it would be talking about, I guess, um, a lot of people subscribe to the same beliefs, but then they've just got a different it's just presented differently, differently. So someone who could knock religion could have extremely religious style beliefs, but then they're not, they're not praying to a God, they're praying to a universe, that sort of thing. So pointing out that a lot of people are very similar in their ways, but have been taught that the other religion or the other spirituality is wrong, that type of thing. Okay. Um, also, um, do you mean, do you, does that go, are you extending that to, um, <coughs> Like uh, Christianity and Islam, how there's... Because I have read a book where uh, Buddhism, Christianity and Islam were all lined up in like a ledger and this they were all like... They were pointing out similar themes like love thy neighbor and and, and peaceful coexistence. Yep. Mm. And it was like all... And the, essentially, they were saying that the framework is the same. It's the same shit. It's the same school of thinking. It's yep. just different characters and different trajectories of plots yeah yeah for sure i would want to discuss that but in a very detached way the reason being is because i think if you're going to tackle anything such as a specific religion you need to be very educated on it or or um willing to be roasted i just 
or um, criticized on your material. Absolutely. You know, because there's conjecture there. I don't, it, so there's stuff where I go, you know, there's a topic that I really want to talk about, but then I can't be bothered doing the research to actually make sure that I'm passionate about why I feel a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. So there's so, there's so many elements. So I would discuss, but I would probably just say religion and then play with that as opposed to picking out particular religions, you know? I mean, if you're going to do a show on the Bible, you've got to read the fucking thing. I'm not going to do that. It's not important enough. So, yeah, I've got to also make just sure that YouTube I do... watch a YouTube doco on it. Yeah. Just get could. the gist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? we're, com- we're comics. They're here to see you laugh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't research this properly. It's yeah. not about that. <laughs> Stop ruining my set with your fucking facts. God damn it. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Or, mate, yeah, there's so, there's so many... I can't hook onto one topic. I'm not passionate enough about one topic. And that's where the issues with writing come along. So I could do that. That would be good because at least I know the type of material that I would need to write. If I was to write a show about modern spirituality, that would be... What do you want to get out of it? Um, like my last show was called Visceral. I guess it was all about me expressing a feeling first and then finding the logic after the fact okay of the okay. feeling and yeah no one's ever asked me this question it would be i think it would be explaining in layman's terms why people feel the way that they do talking about human behavior as well in terms of a lot of people's opinions are based on um their own biases as well mm-hmm. you know so are you reading any psychology at the moment or have you shown any interest in psychology I at all? I studied psychology in high school and I do have psychology books, so yeah. Because that sentence smelled of psychology. <laughs> Fucking reeked of psychology. <laughs> okay, and you sound a bit narky. You're not no, a psychology no, fan. No, I am. <laughs> you are, good. How can I not be? We're comics. I think every <laughs> yeah. comic on a fundamental level is a psychologist of some sort. They have to be. We're, we're all yeah. a- a- psychoanalyzing ourselves or... Yeah what's happening to a piece of fruit on a table. Like, I, oh, my God. I mean, Jamoan got a piece of material from a cheese block, you know, <laughs> just studying cheese as he was slicing it. Like, just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry about that. I forgot to turn my fucking phone off. All good, all good. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I do enjoy the process of it, but sometimes I'd just like to, I'd like my mind to be quiet, to take the magnifying glass off anything for a second. You know, it's just like make you mean my explore mind. An angle, a no, I note. mean it would be so nice to just be an absolute dopey, ignorant dumbass for just twenty four hours. Just yeah. twenty, like, 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 make my mind frontal lobotomy quiet for just twenty four hours. I know people who I'm completely <laughs> envious of that on the weekend go fishing, jet skiing, work as mechanics, finish work, go home, yeah. smash a six pack. Put their kids it. to bed and love it. And completely fulfilled and not searching yeah. for anything else. And that ignorance is fucking bliss. Yeah. Whereas I stupidly need to fucking take mushrooms, read books, <laughs> understand why an atom is. Fuck. All this bullshit. Oh, I read a quote the other day and I've got to tell you about it. A physicist. A physicist. Oh, my God. Hang on. Give me a second. Take your time. We've got ages. A physicist. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so angry. A physicist is an atom's way of talking about atoms. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson said something like that in a roundabout way by going, how bizarre is it that a collection of atoms can click together to make 
themselves aware that they're a bunch of atoms. Yeah, yeah. I thought... Um, it's fucking weird. I haven't watched it in ages. I watched the... the co- Do you say Cosmos or Cosmos? I say Cosmos. Okay, cool. Because it's uh, Greek. Cosmos. Cosmos, good. Because I used to say Cosmos and then everyone... No, everyone no, no. who They're cocktails, darling. <laughs> everyone, everyone whose opinion I respected... Everyone whose opinion I respect is no, said no, Cosmos, no. so in okay. I watched that a while ago and I thought Carl Sagan was really um what's the word? Unintentionally funny. I just liked it the way that he spoke where he said, If you want to talk about where an apple came from, yeah. first you have to talk about the invention of the universe. Yeah, a bit creepy. <laughs> it was a little Especially bit if he creepy. starts that sentence on a public bus next to <laughs> yeah, you. Like, like, dude, I'm gonna move seats. <laughs> It's just fucking weird. Science is your thing, isn't it? You didn't do anything else, did you? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the... He wrote Contact, you know, the movie. I haven't seen it. But I think a part of him died when they cast Jodie Foster. I have to... You haven't seen Contact? I don't get the reference. I'm sorry. (laughs) You haven't seen Contact? Contact is such a cool, awesome sci-fi adventure. Okay. It's a great little film. Are we talking mid-90s? Yeah, man. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like um, something... Carl Sagan wrote it. It was basically they find something in space that NASA brings it down to Earth. It's like plans to draw up this machine. They they build it. It creates a wormhole and they go through to meet aliens. Okay, cool. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. You'd like it. Oh, God. I think about stuff like that. I think about how um, pilots only um, really start talking about UFOs at the very end of their careers or after they've retired because they know that if they bring it up while they're still flying, there's a good chance they'll lose their job. Absolutely. Same thing happens with psychiatrists and spirit possession. Yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't know that. But going back to what you said before about the pilots, I I, I read a book called uh, UFOs by Leslie Keane. And she she just focused on pilots. Yeah. And Air Force pilots predominantly. But one story that stuck <coughs> out was Japan Airways in 1989. They flew up. They, they took off and a, a UFO was following them. They flew from Alaska to Japan. Mm. When they landed, um, all three pilots that were in the cockpit said, this is what we saw. We drew They stuck to their story. Two of them went back on their word. The pilot, the captain, the senior captain who stuck with his story and saying it was a UFO, he lost his job. They sacked him, and he couldn't get another f- a flight. It's just so strange. Why they Why they're quashing all these reports? I don't understand. I don't understand why. What is it? What does Japan Air fucking care? You know? Or do they think that oh, you're not going to book a flight with us because our captain sees UFOs? Really? I'd fly with a captain who's like, yeah, I've seen a UFO. I'll fucking take you there now. See if it's still there. (laughs) My issue is UFO technically means unidentified flying object, which means that there's UFOs all the time. It doesn't always mean that it's some sort of extraterrestrial nature. So if someone is to say, in my mind, if a pilot was to say, we've never seen a UFO, it's like, are your fucking eyes open when Mm. you fly? You know, you would have, they would have seen it all the time. But I guess it's the yeah, it would be the really strange, unexplainable ones. But yeah. um, I but I don't know. I'm happy to keep my mind open. I'm not really passionate about that topic, but I find it kind of sad. I don't like corruption in any in any form. So it's like I don't you know, other than the parking ticket that I owe that I'm not going to pay because it was issued by a private company. Like other than that, Cor- I don't corruption, like corruption is like <laughs> corruption is like part and parcel it's like landing on go to jail in monopoly it's gonna happen it is, it's fucking yeah. everywhere and it's gonna happen 
Mm. Um, but what's this with a parking ticket? You got a parking ticket? <clears throat> yeah. And oh, hang on a second. Didn't you buy a new car? I did. And some fucker stra- scratched it? Okay, so... What'd you buy, first of all? All right, so I had a 2006 Toyota Yaris, and I did 280,000 Ks in it. Good little beast. It was screaming. Beast. That's what I wanted. Drive it till it dies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the gearbox was screaming. I had to almost wear earplugs when I was on the freeway. It was was like, it a manual? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. You drive stick. I drive stick. Good no girl. one does. That's Everyone awesome. was telling me to get a... Get a the, the, I know the autos... They're cheaper. Or, they are, yeah. I know the autos are better now, but... I got it because small cars that are autos, they've got bugger all guts. You want to have control of the gears so you can get up a bloody hill. Get the fucking revs But it up. was a 1.3 litre car anyway, so I was still that annoying person on the road. This one's got a little bit more guts. It's 1.5. It's, it's, it's a Yaris, but it's 2012. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. The, the lady, she, she only did, it's only had one owner. She did 45,000 Ks in it and she even zip tied the hubcaps to the wheels because she didn't want anyone to steal them. Holy fuck. And when the, when the salesperson was taking me over the car, I was like, okay, this previous owner had anxiety. I'm getting this car because yeah, this absolutely. car's in perfect condition. It was, yeah. yeah. There's a tiny little scratch on the back. It couldn't, it could have been a trolley. It may not. I said that for the joke and then everyone was like, oh, are you all right? Like, oh my God, that's so bad. And I went, oh, this isn't the reaction that I wanted to instill. Oh, so so was... I deleted the status. Oh, you did? I was trying to be funny. I was trying to be funny. Well, we all felt for you because yeah, you're like, no, you just like... bought a brand new car <laughs> yeah. and some fucker scratched it. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a pet hate. Yeah, it's a little scratch. I don't know where it came from, but it's it. What it didn't. I, I felt like the scratch didn't warrant the the pourings of of heartfelt I'm sorry's that I got from everyone. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very like. I think I I need a new car, but I don't want to spend a lot of money on a new car because wearing a new car, sorry, buying a new car is like <clears throat> taking a pair of white brand new sneakers out into a muddy field. They're, they're fucked. Their destiny is screwed. Yeah. So I'm like paranoid. So I'm like, I have limits. I'm like, can't spend more than 15 grand. I can't justify more than 15 grand on a car. Yeah, mine was 12. And and yeah. I just, I drive it so carefully. It, it, it's just, I wouldn't, I, I don't see you do. myself. It took you over an hour to get here. <laughs> 40 back streets, <laughs> yeah. stopping every time. Yeah. Going, Are you okay? Do you want to get to the next street? You're like, hang on a second, there isn't any traffic in Richmond. What are you <laughs> fucking talking about? And I'm going 10Ks in the left lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting though. People spend more money on their car than they do on their mattress, but they spend more than a third of their lives in their mattress. And yeah. how much of your time is in your car? Maybe 2%, 3%? I, I'm, I am, I prescribe to your school of thought wholeheartedly. I, I, I spent over two and a half grand on my mattress and yep. I bought myself a nice watch for a few K, but my car is worth like 800 bucks Yep. <laughs> and I can't justify. Does it scream when you drive it? Yeah, is it, it at that point? It makes old man. Yeah, it's old. <laughs> yeah. Like when I started, I'm like, oh, I better let you warm up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just these horrible gremlins under the bonnet. Yeah. But it's a Holden, it's a workhorse, it goes. But I just got to warm it up and not hammer it too much. Yeah, yeah. Can't afford to hammer it. Well, I always let the car warm up, but I really, there was so much wrong with my old one. It was like, I really know how to milk a situation long past its, its expiry date. And my car was definitely a version of that. And mm. it was just like, you know what? It's getting to a point where it's not just slightly embarrassing. It's to the point where mm, my safety is paramount now like 
the gearbox was progressively getting louder. I didn't want it to lose drive when I was in, mm. on the freeway, you know. It was just like, nah, this needs to be, this needs to replace. It's like a self-respect thing now. What's it like with, uh, let me ask you a question about, with, from my guy's point of view. Okay. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I don't give a fuck. But I'm a little bit self-conscious of if I go on a date with my old car. Okay. I'm just a bit like, oh, fuck, he's got a shit box. Okay. But I'm sure she doesn't think that, but it just crosses my mind. Is that like with you, with the 2006? Are you like, if you go on a date, you think the guy's going to go, oh, fuck, he drives a shit box or blah, blah, blah. She, I think. Does that play into your mind or is that just more of a guy thing? Mm, it has played onto my mind, I guess, a little bit. If someone has a really, really old, beaten up car, I think it depends on... I'm more about the cleanliness of the car. Okay. If I get into your car and I put my my feet on the ground and I hear the clanging of empty bottles. And Macca's wrappers. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, it, it, that is a metaphor of your dick, right? <laughs> it's like, nah, it's, if this is how you keep your car, yeah. I don't want to know how you keep anything else. That's fucking funny. <laughs> Do you think that's uh, indicative of a lot of women or just you? Like, do you think women look at that, like uh, how clean you keep your car on the in, like inside? Or? I see. I'm not after super clean. All I'm after Tidy. at any time is reasonable order. Reasonable. Oh, reasonable. Okay. If it's got, cause like I've had, but I've had a messy car before, mm. and then I've I've given some mates a lift home, and one of them's just gone. I said I'll clean the car next time. He's like, don't ever do this again. Oh, like he was pretending to be funny about it, but was legitimately disgusted with with how my car was. But I'd had my car for 10 years. I had camping chairs. I had a fucking tennis racket in there. I had eight different pairs of shoes. I like to be prepared for any situation. Tennis, camping. Speaking of camping, I'll gross you out. Okay. I went on a date with a girl years ago. I'm not gonna, Obviously, I'm not going to name her, but she had a uh, used sanitary pad in her car. Oh. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Camping, blah, blah, blah. That's what made me think. I mean, oh, that's all right. But then, like, a month <laughs> later, we, a month later, while we were dating, it wasn't m- removed out of the fucking car. I'm like, it's still there. And I'm like, can I get the <laughs> fucking tongs and get it out of there? I just want to grab my bag, man. But she was, um, but you know what? We're, we're, we were two different people cut from the cloth, two different cloths, as they say, whatever. She was, uh, yeah, she was a fucking hippie, like earther, like too uh, no, out there. No, can't do it. Like can't wouldn't do it. shower, would skip showering. Because I just thought, yeah, yeah. Because so, she's like, no, you shouldn't really shower a lot because it's not good to strip your body of its oils. You're like, well, orals out like, of the question then. Exactly. <laughs> it was fucking messy. Um, the reason why I think that kind of stuff is, um, is a red flag. And I see this in people's personalities as well, right? Have you ever seen a hoarder's show? Yes. Right? And what's really interesting, sorry, what's really interesting about these shows is a lot of these people are past professionals, scientists, psychologists, lawyers, really really highly educated people who have somehow slipped off the deep end and then you see these photos of rubbish up to here and squalid conditions and they've been sleeping in the fetal position on a couch for over five years. Their kids haven't come over anymore. They always leave the house and don't let any guests over and they can't, they can't get out of that situation, right? 
The reason why the pad is so gross is because that can be a door into a, a look into what that person is going to be like in the future. Mm. And also when it when talking linking that up to people's personalities, you know someone who's rude to a waiter for no reason? Yes. It's like, hang on, if you're rude to this person for no reason, what are you going to be like when you're no longer trying to impress me, you know? Mm. Or you're you're behaving badly in a situation that doesn't warrant bad behavior. So yeah. are they things how you look you? for? Like uh, yeah, definitely. absolutely, yeah. Definitely. I, I see that as well. How how they treat other people mm. of a lesser pecking order if I could use that such a strong word. Yeah. But you know what I'm yeah. trying to say. How they treat peasants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how they treat my Uber driver <laughs> yeah. on the way home yeah. after cocktails. <laughs> Are they polite to him? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I get that. So why uh, are such logical people like psychologists that just demands like the highest levels of order and logic to complete these big fucking degrees? How have they become hoarders yeah, that's, in a world of chaos? Yeah, yeah. That's How? one of the... What? I read I, I read um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life years ago. There was a couple of pieces of info that explained why people like that can become in that situation. Yeah. But I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for taking me on the runway <laughs> and like, telling me yes. this isn't a real plane. We're not taking off. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, I was going to find out. Hey, it's life. You're going to get disappointed. You make, <laughs> it may as well be me. Do you want to twist it? Uh, do you want to stretch your brain? Give it a bit of a muscle exercise? Why do you think they allow themselves to become hoarders? Is it, um, oh, I'm just thinking, why do they fucking do it? Uh, for example, when I was on radio, I spoke with uh, uh, an escort on air that had high-end clients who were politicians, lawyers, men of high power and stature that would um, want to be uh, treated like shit and have no power at all. It's, so it's a flip side. They mm. want to lose all the power that they have during the day mm. and be completely submissive to another human being, like with a collar and a leash being pulled around. I think that could like be shit. <clears throat> that could be based on control is that they want to be in a safe situation where they're out of control. Out of control, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but it needs to be Is that similar with the hoarders? Like people who are like logical and structured all their life just want to let loose or is it no they got a catalogue no i don't think it no. is a it's definitely not decisions that's based on rationale at all i think it's more emotional and it's a more oh. tra traumatic stuff rearing its head in some way maybe yeah um not not dealing with stuff it's all because it well it's a reflection of their mind they're holding on to shit they're not dealing with anything you know holding on yeah there's <clears> something there, Why can't you throw away a an electricity bill that's got a coffee stain on it from 1993? Why yeah. Why are you holding on to that? And there's <laughs> there's that anxiety and that paranoia in there. Mm. There's the very slight, I might need that. And then there is, the rest of it is just absolute delusion. Absolute delusion. I don't know. It's, it's very scary. I'm glad that I've only ever seen those situations in... Actually, no. The people who lived 
in the 120-year-old shack that I used to live in. In Mombol? Yeah. Um, the people who lived there before us had been there for 22 years and they were hoarders. Mm. We went through, when we walked, as soon as we walked through the house, one of my parents were buying it. I was, I was walking through going, you have got to be kidding me. You want to sell our beautiful, clean, functional, awesome house to come in here. And there was a pathway through the kitchen. It wasn't a usable kitchen anymore. Mm. There was just the stove and the sink. Mm. The rest of the bench space was covered in newspapers up to the ceiling. Well, yeah. And it was like... It's creepy, isn't it? If you it take is. a if you take a hoarder and fast forward a hundred <clears throat> years, you've got a, like a museum, like a fucking antiques roadshow episode that you could film in there. Like all the like every newspaper you've ever want for the last 40, 50 years, At, all uh, in sequential worst, order. But the worst ones are the ones who are holding on to rubbish. There isn't a skerrick of value in there, and then the house mm. needs to be almost bulldozed in some cases because the condensation in the house, like a window will smash and they won't fix it. So the ha- the inside becomes the outside. My cousin... The dampness in the walls, they're getting mold poisoning, their health getting yes. affected. It's awful. I know all about that through my cousin who works by... Um, she works for a company that works... No, she works for the government and they allocate homes to homeless people and a small percentage of them are hoarders and she has to visit their homes. And she said, "Yeah, there's a there's a there's a path that leads to the kitchen, but the kitchen can't be used." Are these the, the previous w- owners or the homeless people who move? Homeless in? people that have been given homes, the and there's a small percentage of them, yeah. that fuck things up and hoard and go nuts and. The so there's a very big, poor people tend to hold on to more stuff because they don't have anything to back it up. So yeah. if you've got adequate amount of finances and stuff, you've got everything you need. If your cup breaks, you can go out and replace it. You can always afford to buy a new cup. You can always afford to buy a new toaster, a new microwave, a new whatever. Mm. Whereas if you're poor, you can't always mm. replace whatever it is that you break. So they tend to they tend to hold on to a lot of stuff. And that makes sense to me. Whereas someone who used to be a psychologist who ends up being a hoarder and they're keeping rubbish, that's... That's what I don't understand because there's, there is never any logical reason to do that. Yeah, it just, every time, yeah, hearing that, I freak out. But then I'm reminded in the fact that there are more neurons in the brain than there are stars in our galaxy. So God knows what the fuck is going on in there with a hundred million neural neuron connections in our brain. God knows it must be a complete mystery to some people. I think, yeah, for sure. Can't well, work some it of out. definitely wired incorrectly, or a couple of the neurons are maybe, I think, is it synapses? That's the connections between the neurons? S- yeah, the synapses. Yeah. Mm. So maybe there could be if the synapses are joining the wrong neurons together. God knows, maybe. Who knows? It's definitely fascinating. Mm. Yeah. It's nice to just sit down and go, I don't know anything. And that's okay. I do that frequently when I'm trying to figure something out. I'll be sitting there going, and then I go, doesn't matter if I don't know. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Who was that? I think it was um, the oracle at Delphi in ancient Greece said that Socrates is the smartest man in all of Athens because he um, declared that he knows nothing. I read about... Oh, I so listened. what a cool motherfucker. He yeah, goes, yeah. I don't know shit. Someone and they went, you're called, the smartest. Someone said that he's the smartest person and he engaged in an argument and a debate with that person. And that that's another thing that I find really fascinating as well. If, if anyone says, big jam, fuck I'm good, just ask me. 
another red flag. Because you need to know that you don't know a lot. If someone believes that they've got, you know, that they, they know a lot, mm. unless they're an expert in one particular area and that's what they're talking about, it's like, no, mate, this I, isn't going to work. I have a, <laughs> You're annoying me. I have a theory that 90%, 95% of stand-up comedians are humble people because just when you think you've nailed it and you've had four or five really good sets in a row and you think you've worked it out, you have a shit gig yeah, and it knocks you back down the pecking order and you're humble again because you're like, man, I fucking ate a dick tonight. How shit am I? Is that, is that, oh, okay. So. That brings me down anyway. That grounds me, so to speak. And then I'm back <coughs> to the stra- drawing board going, fuck, I should get new material. I should try and write something. Has, uh, this ev- has this ever happened to you though, is that you didn't bomb until you had the thought where you went, hang on a second, I've just done five awesome shows with this material. And as soon as you open the thought up to the possibility of you bombing. Maybe. Over. Yeah. Because I become rigid. I lose my looseness on stage about getting to the joke organically. Okay. With yeah. The, with yeah. The, taking the pulse of the room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I become rigid and I try and nail it. So I'm like, like a cricketer trying to do the same shot as before. He's the ball's different. It's coming at you differently. You've got to be more loose. It's a different crowd. You've got to be more. And I'm, I, I tense up and I can't recreate it. I try to recreate it and I flop. Yeah. It's interesting how half of comedy sometimes is acting. It's it, it's it's making sure that you look like, you know, when you're really angry and you've got that fuel and that passion there and you just nail the gig and you walk off and you're just like, yep, that's exactly what I wanted. And mm. then you're a bit tired the next day or you're, your thoughts are somewhere else and it's like, fuck, I need to actually show this audience that I give a shit about this today even though I don't. I, I lose projection. So I still, and then the inflections are really odd. What do you mean? Go, say that again. What do you mean? If you've got comedy that you um, are, it's just having an off day, really. Okay, so you have, make it about yourself. So you're having an off day at work and then that night you get up on stage and you're not mentally present? Yeah, that's right. But or, you're just going through the motion of the the material. Yeah, I'll give you a, an example. When I did yeah, the, the rail yard the other day, because I... The have, crowd will find you out. But I've had a cold. And because I've had a cold, I don't have the vocal projection. And because I didn't have the vocal project, projection, it's like all of my shit wasn't convincing. So sometimes oh, you have to fake it. You sometimes gotta, you, 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 you've got to act, actually yes. put in heaps of effort to get... The, uh, to get the emphasis out on, on everything because you're tired or you're sick or you're, you can't be bothered or whatever it is. So I'm just saying that sometimes it's actually acting. What if you, what I, if you I, just, I hate that. What if you acknowledge the crowd? What if you just went up on the mic and go, my throat's fucked, I'm not as loud, but I'm just as angry, but I'm softer, but I'm <laughs> fucking fierce. I'm like a kitten, but I'm angry. <laughs> okay. And then you begin, like, you just, you got to well, tell the crowd. Why didn't you tell me that before I had the issue, mate? You've got to tell the crowd exactly how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like do to have tell a line that I fall on, but your line was better. My line is, sorry, everyone, I'm really out of it. I um, steamed some vegetables two days ago and I'm still tired. So yeah. I imply that's the <laughs> that's reason good. why I'm tired. Yeah, yeah that's but good. Yeah, the, the fierce kitten might be a little bit, might be a bit better. I've got to change it up. But that, have you written yeah. heaps of that stuff? You're like, this is what I'm going to say if I'm tired. This is what I'm going to say if I'm angry. This is what I'm going to say if I don't give a shit. No, what do I do? <laughs> I, I, I try and actually, this sounds really fucking, well, 
this sounds really fucking arty farty, but I try and um, like get, I try and take the pulse of the audience before the show. I watch the other comics and I try and get like the rhythm yeah. of like, like two girls in <clears throat> primary school with the skipping rope that are spinning it and I have to jump in and time it. I try and like watch that to see the rhythm and see what the crowd are connecting with. And then if, I try and be honest with them and then start my routine. If right. I'm feeling off or if I've got a cold, I'll acknowledge it. I won't try and hide it. Yeah, yeah, okay. See, well, I learned something. I won't try and hide it in the future. Yeah, because you'll was... become a different... You'll be act, You'll be act, You'll be an actor. Yeah. And I don't know. It's not coming from your heart. It's coming from... I, I think know. there's the element of professionalism, though, is that if you do happen to have a paid gig on a, uh, if you're having an off day for whatever reason, then you need to be able to push it anyway. Absolutely. You need to be, like, there was a time when I was really, really tired and I was forcing myself to go to gigs anyway, because it's like, people get tired. I can't, I can't lean on that. I can't, that can't be an issue, you know. And yeah, that's a great attitude. Yeah, I think yeah, that's having a successful that, ethos. Yeah, yeah. And making sure that I'm just doing that when I'm tired, not brutally exhausted and heading yeah. into a bad, bad way. But yeah, just going, bad luck, brain cells. You need to learn how to work when you're lagging. Bad yeah. luck, do it. So do you, you got to do the job. You know how you were saying before you used this analogy of like just fluttering around? Like I, I sort of, do, do you lock in, okay, next week, uh, I have to do three gigs or next week I must no, do two I gigs. No, I don't do that. And I need to start doing that more and more. So I've already yeah, made. I like, if I don't do three gigs a week, I panic. Sorry, I jumped on you there. Oh, that's okay. Pan so three weeks, it's three gigs. Yeah, yeah. I try to get to two. Yeah, two, Ultimately, two to three. I'd like, yeah, mm. yeah. I think three would be better. Ideally, yeah. three would be good because every other day you're pretty much getting back on stage. Yeah, yeah. So your brain is starting to wire itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you in definitely a, a, feel it when it's been a while. Yeah, you know, in a perfect, I was having this chat with a comic last night. We were driving back from a gig, Evan Hocking. It was talking about like, I don't know how, something on the radio, Powerball, some winner, whatever. And I was like, fuck, if I won Powerball, I would just like give money to an agent and go, I want to do an hour every night somewhere. <laughs> just make it happen. <laughs> and I don't care if I'm not getting paid, but I just want to do an hour every night. And I would like, imagine... That would be like a bodybuilder ingesting steroids and then lifting and blowing himself up in front of like, just imagine how your brain will begin to wire itself if you start doing an hour of stand up every night. And I think that's the reason why American comics are just so slick. They're so fast. They churn over material day in, day out. They can write an hour special every single year. It's because their brain is being accustomed to getting up on stage and talking a certain way in front of strangers for an hour or a night that the brain begins to wire itself to be conducive towards dishing out a certain speech pattern that ends with a surprise punchline. They also, when they start at the bottom, they start in a different way that we do. If you want a five-minute spot, you have to fly for them for two hours. So it automatically weeds out all of the shit kickers. That's a good point. It would weed me out. I go, really? Flying for two hours, I'm out. Like that would be enough for me to go, I'm out. I never would have done comedy. This is this is why it's it, like mm. like doing an hour every night. That would that's absolutely torture to me. 
It is. It is absolutely torture. Really? I couldn't. I'm so flat out exhausted after doing, say, I do. Nah, Pierman, you've won Powerball. What else are you going to do? Sleep all fucking day. You want to do this or not? It's like your brain will begin to rewire itself. Mm. On on a on a, it'll be like just think about it like every hour, every night for Can an I hour. Can do it four nights a week? <laughs> I need well, my downtime. I get exhausted. I think I'm an extroverted it. introvert. I don't think I'm missing the point. I think our brains work a little bit differently here, and that drives you and would drive you forward. Where I think about doing an hour a night, and I go, I'm going to have a fucking meltdown. But what's going to happen after the meltdown? Live on stage. <laughs> You will be in uncharted territory. God knows that what you will true. create. God. You got to suffer for your art, some fucker said. All right. Push the boundaries. I don't know who said that, but, you know, <laughs> got to push through. Yeah, yeah. But because I just feel, sometimes I feel, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of comics will understand what I'm saying. We're, we, it's just a stuttered existence on the Melbourne comedy circuit. You're a good comic and you push out there and you can only do five minutes and then the next night you can only do seven minutes and then you got to take two days off and then you can do five minutes. It's such a stuttered growth, you know? It did, definitely, definitely. You know, so that's why when festivals come along, you know, I, I hear comics going, who the fuck is this guy thinking he can do an hour, man? He hasn't got five minutes of material. I'm like, dude, fucking let him grow. Let that comic grow. Like, whoever goes to that gig, they may not enjoy it, but they're, they're going to do an hour and they're going to learn a lot from it. I don't, I don't judge anyone who hasn't got the material that decides to do an hour because fuck it, they're, they're, they're going to learn the hard way. I feel like they're, they're, I don't know, that there should be at least a bare minimum of preparedness. Well, of course, I'm sure they yeah. do prepare. If you're doing an hour, if you've got 40 and you've got enough people in the crowd that you can do crowd work, yeah. uh, slow down, ponder on topics, add bits for sure. But yeah, I, I guess I get extremely, extremely uncomfortable if I'm watching a comedian that I don't like, even if they're doing five minutes. It feel, do you remember how bad Days of Our Lives was, the television show, or Young and the Restless, or Passions? Any like Think about the worst television show Those that you've shows, ever seen. My mum would watch him when right. I was growing up, and I would leave the fucking house. That's the only time my mum understood English. <laughs> Out, outside of that, she was... A Greek lady who didn't understand. <laughs> so can you help me ring the electric company for me? I'm like, fucking hell, mum. You understand the plot twists of... Yeah. So yeah, I know those shows. Yeah, yeah. So so you said that those shows would come on and you left the house. Yes. Right. So that's how I feel when I'm watching a comedian <laughs> who but, is either delusional and doesn't, doesn't see that they're silencing the crowd or who is extremely grotesquely unprepared. That's a good word. Fuck, I love this language. It's the only one I know. I better know some fancy words. What's going on here? It's an insect. Um, yeah, it, it makes me want to leave. And it, ma- it, ma- it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me angry. But that's good because by you leaving, if that comic... I'm taking myself out of the situation instead by, of having an altercation, yeah. By you... <laughs> by, yes, by you not bashing the comic is a great thing. That's very positive. But by you fucking off and an audience, you're an audience member. If you fuck off and that comic, this is crucial. If the comic is tuned into reality, 
that that comic can come off stage and go, oh fuck, my audience just left. Mm. Maybe I should reassess my material for tomorrow night's show. That's also uh, see that's, that's a, a real good... that's a really positive way of looking at it, and that also brings me to the next thing is that I. I'm, I actually really struggle to fake laugh as well. So you know how it's really nice at the start when you're starting your comedy career, right? And you, you, you're trying to work out, you know, friendship circles and who knows who and where can I fit in and who can I speak to and whatever. And then you've got people who are just, <laughs> you know, mm. they're, they're encouraging you. But after a while, it's like, okay, you've learned enough now. You're on your own now. I'm only going to laugh if you say something that's legitimately funny. Mm. I think it's important to stick to that. So from day one. So no, for, from maybe two months, not day one, maybe day sixty. It's like no, no, no. You've had your fucking probation. We're not going to fake laugh anymore. Yeah. But I, I actually can't do it. I can't fake laugh, and it's like, I, I can't. Why should you though? Because of social bloody norms. Is it? Is it? It's. Um, it's actually rude to tell someone But you're sending the you comic feel. on the wrong path. That's what I mean. Mm. But mate, but people people don't even tell their own mates though if they've done a really shit job, and that that is a massive disrespect because you look like an asshole if you do. And that and then no, you know, if, if the I get whole... asked as a comic, yeah. What's wrong with my bit? Why can't I? I'm, I tell them. I go. It's, I don't. I think it's. They ask you. But though. I also say, yeah. you know, I'm no fucking genius. Or what the fuck do I know? But this is my two cents. Mm. If because you're asking. Yeah, yeah. This is why it's so important to have, I think, really, you know, reasonable and respectful friendships with people. That obviously, it's there's, there's a jokey friendship there, but also the element of the seriousness where you can go, where did I fuck up? That sort of thing. Where there just tends to be people who I don't think they address that at all. They just go, "Well done, you're hilarious. That yeah, was that's, great." And that's it's madness. Like... That's lunacy. You're, they're going to stay in the open mic scene forever. Yeah. Because you need to be able to know where you're failing. Mm. Yeah. And if people are fake laughing, it's going to get you to a certain point where you think, "Oh, I'm ready to to do auditions at the lounge, or I'm ready to do auditions at um, Kings of Comedy," and you're going to flop, mm. and you're like, "Why am I flopping? This kills in the other rooms." Oh, they're safe spaces. Yeah, that's why I don't agree with safe space comedy. I just think I don't comedy. Think they're safe spaces. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they should be just brutal. They should be you either funny or not. I think they should be safe for comics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, like on stage, if it's not funny, they just Sorry, not gonna laugh. Safe safe spaces. I don't know. People's people's definitions of what you can and can't say of being acceptable or not is completely different. So I feel like safe spaces end up being end up fizzling out because there's always someone who's going to disagree with something that you thought that was okay for you to say. Maybe mm. I don't know. Well, it's a very tricky area. I'm. I'm not really into the politics. I just like to, I just, my, all I want to do is be funny. That's it. Yeah. When I'm crafting new material, I, I like to say, I'm not married to this idea. I'm not married to this piece of material. I'm just I don't trialing see no ring out. on this finger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trialing it out. And if it bombs or if I come across as racist or chauvinistic, holy fuck, I apologize. But I'm just trying to find the funny somewhere. You just, you need to be able to, make mistakes you really need to be able to make mistakes on stage creatively mm. and not be um 
uh, called a racist. Like, there's a female comic on the circuit who did a bit, and I don't think she's racist. I genuinely don't think she's racist. But she fucked up on stage when she said it. Even I was like, oh, that's, I wouldn't have said that. It's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but she's a new comic, and she, you know, she just, just didn't understand. And I was like, yeah. And she was aware of it. After the gig, she's like, yeah, that was... Yeah, that was wrong, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know, there's that thing, though, of when you're exploring ideas. Um, it, obviously, it's a very touchy topic, but there's one thing that I've noticed is that if anyone does say anything remotely um, racist or bigoted on any level, they immediately will say, no, it's not racist or no, it's not bigoted, and here's why. Instead of, I think some of those people know that it's racism or bigotry but they they're scared of the lynch mob if they say no that was racist mm. and this is why i said it or that was bigoted and this is why i said it and these are my beliefs mm. no one ever no one does that anymore mm. because they're afraid of you know getting cancelled i'm not afraid of getting cancelled you have to be someone you to have be to cancelled to be cancelled it and also helps to be really racist or bigoted to get cancelled <laughs> yes. i'm just like oh and uh, with, with, <laughs> looking at my set going, there's nothing that's going to cancel me here. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. Yeah, with the advent of um, technology and 5G, I just think every comic is going to have the ability, like now, to just broadcast and get their self out there. So who's going to cancel you? Unless you're fucking really obscene yeah. where youtube has to step in and go oh nah, yeah that's yeah. fucked up you're yeah, like that's hate speech yeah that's hate speech yeah, yeah and yeah. you don't belong on stage yeah um but yeah i mean i don't know it's it's a tricky one it is but oh well keep going mm. keep trying say sorry if you do the wrong thing keep your eyes on the crowd and if they go quiet Ask you what's wrong with my set. Yeah, if they're quiet. Like, <laughs> you don't want to become that comic that comes off stage That's to silence toy, yeah. and goes, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, if you think so. You know, I, um, it was years ago, this was 10 or 11 years ago, I went to a Rodney Rood gig at, at Ferntree Gully, the one at Ferntree Gully Hotel. There was over a thousand people there, drunk bogan Aussies. And I was meeting my older sister's partner for the first time. <clears throat> and Rodney was singing limericks and he's playing the guitar. And I had, there's two limericks from this joke book that I bought years, years ago. And I said to my sister, I've got limericks that are better than these flogs getting up. Should I go up? And she just went, no, because she was mortified of me embarrassing her. Mm. And I went up there and I'm standing there and there's dudes going, oh, you know, they're just going, okay, what's going on here? You know? And then Rodney Rude looks at me and I just shit myself because I go, what is this monster going to say to me? And he goes, look at this lovely lady. And I went, oh, and he's playing. And the first, I'll tell you the lyrics because I still remember them. The first one was, there once was a woman from Leith who would circumcise men with her teeth. It wasn't for fame or love of the game, but to get to the cheese underneath. And everyone went, <laughs> yeah. Because oh, everyone who was getting so up was so hammered that you couldn't hear what they were saying. And yeah. everyone was just laughing. They're like, whatever. 
I sat down again and I got back up five minutes later and everyone's like, yeah, bring her on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was insane. So the next one was, there once was a vampire called Mabel whose periods were very quite stable, your ex-girlfriend. And every full moon, she took out a spoon and drank herself under the table. And that's where I got the... (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I want to do this again, but different. This was sick. And I looked at my sister and I was like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It was addiction. It was just like, oh, so funny. Well, how old were you then? 23. Wow. Mm. That was fun. And how long was it since then when you just got up on stage for the first time? It was years. Yeah. Five years, six years. Fuck, what kept six you away years? for so long? I know you were singing. Singing and no balls. No balls. I just, I was just absolutely petrifying. Um, and that's why the first time I got into it, yeah, it was an acting group that I went into and all the actors got slowly dropping like flies because the woman who was running the sketch group was a bit, she was a bit of a crazy lady. And then she had a raw spot that we were going to do a sketch for. And then the sketch fell apart. She says, we'll just take the raw spot. So I quickly wrote five minutes of material and then started from there. So yeah. Where was your first spot? That was 2016. Where? Raw. Ah, Evelyn. Triple J Raw? So you went straight yeah. into raw for your first gig. You, yeah. didn't, you didn't try and polish your five. See, no, I, took, I regret that. I regret that a lot. I took my five everywhere, and um, did raw in two thousand two. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, what a different. That's another time. That was definitely another time. Were yeah. they were they doing the? <laughs> this year a girl's gonna win. This year a boy's gonna win. This year um, a girl's. I, I, yes, they. Am were. I wrong for pointing that out? It, was, it seems um, very weg showing you how fair we are. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there, was a, there was a lovely gentleman on the judging panel called Jed Wood, and I crushed my gig at the Comics Lounge. And he said to me, he goes, um, look, man, you're a competent comic. You're going to be just fine, but you're not going to get through. We're just looking for something else. And I'm like, okay. That's when I realized it's not about crushing. Yeah. You do not get awarded the trophy for raw comedy for crushing. Mm. They... Triple J, and I think it's fine. They're not after the funniest. They're after supporting a diverse group of people that need a leg up to just, you know, get in there. So it is what it is. That's another thing that you've just articulated in a really positive way that I didn't think was that good. And that's a really nice way of looking at it. I I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but... It makes it's sense. It's their competition, for fuck's sake. They created it. Mm. They know they they've got a right to look for who they want. Yeah. They want to, you know. And at the moment, I'm I'm sure it's like female, indigenous, uh, or trans. You know, that's who they want, and that's great. Fucking go for it. But if you enter a comedy competition and it's um and I've done comedy competitions like this overseas where it's the highest decibel laughter <coughs> wins. They're the ones that I'm suited for. That's yep. like, they're the ones that I want to enter because that's like the fastest car on the track will win, not the prettiest or the most different or the most nice interior, blah, blah, yep. blah. They're the comps I want to go for. And yep. that's when I quickly realized, all right, well, Triple J Raw is not for me. But, you know, it's, it doesn't, I, I don't need, you don't need to hang shit. I know, I, I, I know what they're doing. It's their thing. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't think of it like that. Mm. I still did it three times. 
but it was it was fun. It was but a thrill. One, Where else am I going to get a hundred people who are going to look at me and listen? You took the words out. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Mm. Um, we got to wrap up soon. Cool. I don't know how long we've been talking, but okay. Well, you threw your phone across the room like a psycho. So yeah, because I was fucking. I hate 3:54. it. Three fifty-four. I think it's been. I think it's been about an hour. All right. I'd say it's been an hour. All right. Well, it's been a lot of fun. It, it has. Just, it flew. It did. Thanks for coming back in. Thanks for having me. So we're doing a fringe show. Yes. In September. Yeah. Um, your theme is going to be loosely based on spirituality. Mm-hmm. Exploring what in spirituality? Mm, okay. So that's okay. I haven't decided that yet. You can't make. Okay. You can't make me decide that. No yet. worries. Next time you come <laughs> back, we'll go through it. All right. Sweet. Mm. <laughs> All right, PMN, uh, do you want to plug a gig or anything where we can see you or it doesn't really matter? She's well, always on the circuit. Check y- her out. Yeah. Or have you got something? No, well, it's tomorrow, so it's a bit <sighs> late. It's not going to get uploaded. All right. So if you're time. hearing this now uh, um, and you've got access to a DeLorean, <laughs> uh, May 23, you can catch PMN at... <laughs> Littlefoot in Footscray. All right. Get your flux capacitor going and get to May 23. Uh, Sweet. Thanks, PMN. Thank you. See ya.